1: JJ, and I also want to thank my listeners from around the world. Never, ever give up hope is now heard in over 70 different countries, and it is a message of hope that the world needs and wants to hear. You know, it doesn't matter what our backgrounds are, what our ethnic backgrounds are, what our financial backgrounds or position currently is, what our educational background is, Each and every one of us on this planet have problems we have to face on a daily basis. We are human and no one is immune to problems. And at some point, we all need to hear the message that there is hope for whatever situation we are going through. And the whole purpose of this show is to bring a variety of guests on who have gone through forms of circumstances because there's always someone out there who can relate and so I thank my guests for sharing their stories for giving hope and encouragement to those who need to hear it and I have interviewed over a hundred guests already on this show and it's not even a year old and every single one of them has had this message of hope and encouragement and also giving practical coping skills and tips which we all need to hear because we live in a real world and we need practicality i thank all my listeners as well and my interviewees my guests for sharing their reviews of the program and their comments because it's what makes it successful if you have a story contact me at Battered Hope at gmail.com I want to hear your story and if it's a story that you feel would appeal to our listeners let me know and we'll get you in on the show Thank you. Today I have with me Mary Carto Now Mary is an author editor, journalist and speaker She has authored two books Help for the Laid Off and hope for the laid off. A really interesting topic because I think that especially in today's world, we are hearing of more and more people who have encountered this circumstance of being laid off from a job, whether it's a recent layoff or uh, they've been laid off, you know, because a company downsized or for whatever reason but there are many I'm sure that can relate to that today. As a single mom for almost 20 years, Mary was inspired to write these two books as a help and an encouragement to those who have gone through a similar experience. So I'm excited to hear what she has to share, her story and her tips. Welcome Mary.
2: Thank, Thank you so, so much, nice Carol. Time. I I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak with you and your listeners today. Now I
1: have to ask you where you're coming to us from because I definitely hear a little bit of an accent.
2: I am from Texas. I am a native Houstonian. Thank you for asking.
1: <laughs> and what's your weather like in Texas today?
2: Um, well, the heat in Texas is uh, only about 110. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> Right, right. And um it's it's hot and humid and it will remain this way uh probably through October.
1: Well, you know what? We should probably do a show just on that.
2: How to survive heat and humidity. <laughs> because I'm
1: from the north. Please let yeah, if
2: you find somebody with the answers, let me know. <laughs> Well, you have to have lots of air
1: conditioning, right? That's exactly right. (laughs) Okay, well, Mary, I appreciate you coming on today. And my first question to you is this. In this job market, there's lots of changes in our economy. And there's lots of companies that have been downsizing. And we hear it on the news all the time. So that we're going to, I'm sure in our listening audience, have many people who have been in the same situation that you found yourself in. So what I want to know is, as a single mom... When this happened, as difficult as it may have been, can you share what happened the first time you were laid off?
2: I certainly can. Uh, my daughter Emily was nine years old. I was working as a secretary for an engineering and construction company, and my boss called me into his office, and you know, the typical downsizing layoff. Um, somebody escorted me to my desk like a criminal, Uh, I was to pack my desk, Uh, they escorted me to my car, uh, turned in the badge, Um, I felt like a criminal, I felt like I'd done something wrong, and uh, walking back to my desk uh, with somebody following me, you know, here was the picture of my nine-year-old daughter, Emily, just staring at me, and I, I can't even describe the amount of fear i had um i I feel that fear even today years later because it was overwhelming it was it was so out of the blue unlike today a lot of people probably know it's coming but back then it it was um the rug pulled out from under me It, it, it was um quite devastating
1: what was your first step what did you do
2: well, uh, once I got home, I cried. Uh, I uh, called my family, and when my daughter got home from school, I explained to her. Thankfully, I had calmed down enough, but I explained to her in a, in a, uh, on a level that she could understand what had happened, and I told her she had nothing to worry about, that I was going to still be able to take care of her. And uh, I told her the bare minimum, and I think that that's what parents need to do. If if they are laid off and they have children, talk to them at their age level, but just share the bare minimum, but be honest with them um, at the same time. That's pretty much what I did uh, the next day. I, of course, filed for unemployment right away. Um, I set up – I'm – I'm very organized person. I I set up what I call Star Trek Command Central uh, in my in my little apartment. I organized a uh, job tracking system that worked for me, and um, I started uh, look you know looking at newspapers. I started uh, going to the library, looking at newspapers there. The computer was pretty new back then. I did have internet access. Uh, it was quite slow but um, I remember going to uh, monster.com was like the only job search engine back then, it seems, but I remember setting up um, job search engines. Um, One thing I did that I thought was a really good idea and actually helped me was I created several different resumes based on different jobs that I was applying for. Like so many people Uh, Today, you have so many skills, regardless of what you've been doing all your life. If you're laid off, it doesn't mean you have to do that same job. Maybe there's a better job out there for you. A lot of your skills can be transferred to a new job. For myself, I had a dream. I wanted to write and travel full-time for a living. That was my dream. Um, The problem was I didn't have a college degree. Uh, but what I found from my first two-year layoff as a single mom was that if, if I, didn't I didn't do something to, to make that dream come true or at least find out what would happen, I was for sure not going to have that dream come true, and I took a really insane, crazy risk, um, but you know what? It paid off, and at the end of the two-year layoff, not only did I have a job, but I had the career change of my dreams without the college degree. Uh, one thing I want to say to people is that maybe you you've lost your job, but you haven't lost your life. You haven't lost yourself. Your you know, you haven't lost. People still love you. You haven't lost your skills and abilities. You've just lost your job. And nine chances out of ten, it's nothing from what you've done. It's just as simply, you know, a, a matter of the economy. But a layoff can be one of the best things that ever can happen to someone. It all depends on how you respond to it.
1: Well, you know, you, you're saying what are many people who have gone through circumstances in their lives that have just, you know, uprooted them, and that is have the right attitude. And when you have the right attitude and you have a positive good attitude, looking at it as a stepping stone, right? Think good things happen. <laughs>
2: okay, well, so. I just yeah, I just became i I, I was angry, okay. Um, I talked to a counselor. I really recommend um, people that are laid off to find a counselor. There are a lot of counselors that work on a sliding scale. I think Goodwill or, or um, Purple Heart. There's well-known um, organizations that offer counseling, even for free. If you just do some research in your area, um, if you can't find any in your area, uh, what you know, maybe look for a church. There are a lot of churches that have um, free free counseling. What what I learned from the counseling is that a person that loses a job, it's like losing a loved one. You go through the the grief, the fear, the shame, the what could I have done differently? Why did this happen to me? What's wrong with me? What's going to happen to me? Um, and it's it's just like a revolving door, and it, those stages of grief come in waves. Uh, but there's you know you will eventually pass through all of those stages. Get on with the business of because your job is to find a job, and you can't afford to stay in a pity party for more than a week or two. It's okay to feel sorry for yourself, but after a week or two, you need to snap out of it. Especially if you, you know, if you have a family to support, you can't afford the luxury of feeling sorry for yourself, and that's not going to get you a job.
1: That's excellent what you said about loss and going through the stages of grief. Because very often we think of stages of grief and loss as losing someone to death, but you are absolutely right on that. We also go through these stages when we lose many different things and a job, of course. That's excellent to relate to it that way. I really appreciate that because I know many people are probably thinking the same thing. You know, no wonder I'm feeling like this, right? No wonder I'm angry or no wonder I am i can't stop crying or that I'm having this self-pity or blaming myself and going through guilt. It's all the stages of grief,
2: so that was a very good point. Exactly, and Carol, the thing is, it's not just losing your job and the ability to provide for your family. That's huge. That's that's the that's the biggest thing. But also, um, I can remember one morning, I went out to the driveway to get my newspaper, and everybody, all my neighbors, were pulling out of the driveway to go to work. I went back in the house and burst into tears. It was. Every, you know, I, re, I grieved over everybody else had a place to go to in the morning. Mm. They were going to their job. They were going to see their coworkers who usually become like family because you, right. you, know, you work yourself to death 15, and 60 hours a week. These people become like your family. And all of a sudden, you don't have a place to go to. And you're not seeing these people anymore. And they're not calling because they don't have time. They're worried about keeping them jo- their own jobs. Of course. Um, it, it's, it's such a loss. It's on so many levels. And unless you've been there, you just don't understand.
1: So what did you do next? You were looking for a job. And you were very organized and, and, and you know, going through those stages. So what? Ha- how long did the layoff Take
2: and what happened there? Both, I had two separate layoffs, each lasting two years. Very ironic. Eight, the layoffs were eight years apart. And um, it was very interesting. I learned different things through both layoffs. Um, some of the things that I learned that I'd really like to pass on to anybody who's listening, who is without work... Some of the ways that i um spent my time while looking for work uh I learned how to barter for services. Now, you think that's crazy, but that it's such an American thing that's you know it's just true American at its finest. People have been bartering for services i mean since probably the Great Depression of the thirties uh, when my unemployment ran out after six months it's you know. Back then, unemployment was six months, and that was it. Um, I still had to get my hair done. It wasn't really a vanity issue. When a woman goes on a job interview, she's got to look her best. And as we women know, if your hair doesn't look good, gosh, you know, you don't feel confident. Your hair has to look good. And my hairdresser, she would cut and color and style my hair in exchange for me babysitting her son. So that was a very um, workable, doable situation. It saved me money. Well, I didn't have the money to spend, first of all, but I still got my needs met. There was, uh, there was a time when um, during my second layoff, I fell 16 feet out of a tree and broke my leg. Injured my knee. This was two weeks, three weeks after my second layoff. And I was trying to prune the tree myself. And you do what you have to do when you're a single mom and you don't have the money. And uh, I went for 10 months not knowing I needed knee surgery. And you do what you have to do, right? And um, finally, I was I was so desperate for uh, relief that I called an orthopedic surgeon, explained my situation, and uh, asked him if I got uh, some media coverage in the paper about his practice, would he please agree to just look at my knee and give me an x-ray? And, of course, you know, he said, you know, absolutely. That doctor ended up doing knee surgery for only $500. <laughs> Not only that, but he arranged for the hospital to charge me only 50% of the outpatient day rate of the surgery outpatient uh, center. He also arranged for them to make uh, payment arrangements with me in a a way that I could afford until I found work. If you don't ask, the answer is guaranteed to be no, but in this economy... Everybody knows somebody that's laid off, and people are far more compassionate than you might suspect. Um, It's easy to think that there's a lot of cold, hard, mean people out there, but there's a lot of warm-hearted, loving, caring people who want to help. But if you don't make your need known, people are not mind readers. That's something I also learned, not even in my own family. So... I learned how to barter for services. Um, I learned the importance of volunteering. Uh, Volunteering takes your mind off yourself. It gets you out of the house. Um, I found in my first layoff that uh, I didn't have a cell phone in my first layoff. I don't think that they were around or if they were, I didn't have one. I couldn't afford one. I was a single mom, even when working. And therefore, I was terrified to leave the house because I just knew the minute I leave the house, I was going to get a call for an interview. And I got very depressed. I was very isolated. And um, that is a breeding ground for depression and um I actually ended up becoming clinically depressed. Um, I saw my doctor explain my situation. Um, He gave me samples of antidepressant medicine every month free of charge. He understood my situation. And I want people to understand there's nothing wrong with you if you're clinically depressed. By that, I mean there's nothing to be ashamed of. You've suffered a tremendous loss. You're fighting a a battle that's very hard. Oftentimes, for me anyway, um, I felt very wrongly judged, even by people that knew me and loved me well, because they kept thinking, you should have a job by now. I mean, it's been a year. It's been a year and a half. Have you given up looking? Mm. And, And I don't think that they meant to hurt me, but boy, did they. And that's the last thing anybody needs is judgment and condemnation when they are doing their very best to wake up in the morning and hold it together another day. So volunteering gets you out of the house. I remember during my second layoff with my knee, my knee was about the size of a bumblebee hive. It was so swollen. And, um... By this time, I had uh, found a church and I volunteered at the church. I would prop my leg up on the trash can and sit at the reception desk and do filing and uh, just answer the phone and whatever. And what was so interesting is when people heard my story, um, they would be very encouraging to me and they would they would say, you know that you're you're you know, this, you, there's there's more to this than meets the eye. You're going to be um, helping people in the future. You just don't realize it. And I, I, I you know, I felt I was, I was happy to be helping that day, just getting out of the house. Uh, one of the other things I learned to do uh, to get out of the house was to exercise. Um, exercise is free. Walking is free. It doesn't cost anything, and it's very good for you physically, and mentally and emotionally, it gets you out of the house. And um, so um, those are some of the tips that I have um, for what I did.
1: Those are excellent. I especially like what you said about bartering. I've been a barter for almost as long as I can remember. And one thing I'm sure that you will agree with, and that is that you don't have to be in a, in a dire situation to barter. I mean, I still do. I barter my services for for a lot of different things. The, the local, oh, gym, yeah. local butcher. <laughs> you know, I get all my meat through bartering, and um, you know, many other things. And like you said, for childcare, I mean, all we have to do is think outside the box, and we can find people who are willing to barter for their services. I especially liked what you said about the doctor. That is
2: awesome. Yeah, I, I have a better story about. than that. If you if you'd like to listen, okay. Um, Again, second layoff accident. Uh, I was laid off in October of 2002. This was my second layoff. Uh, In February of 2003, I had a job interview in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay, it's wintertime in Kansas. I am a native Texan. My brother lent me his gas card, and I drove to Kansas with a crutch as the gas pedal, okay, because my knee was in such pain. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I get there, and I get to the hotel room. I wake up the next morning. I'm all fired up, uh, ready to go on the interview. I walk out. There's like 500 feet of snow, which I'm not used to. Uh, the car won't start, okay? My car will not start my interview in a city I have never been in. Don't know a person. Is in an hour. Oh my um, again, I had by this time I had learned that there is a God of this universe and He does love me. Mm. And um, I asked Him, "What am I supposed to do?" And um, I was led to call a church from the phone book of the hotel room. I explained the situation pastor came over, had my car towed to the mechanic, took me to the interview, picked me up from the interview, brought me back to the mechanic, which I so appreciated, um, until I was slapped with a nearly $1,800 car repair bill. I didn't have a checking account. I didn't have a credit card. I had a gas credit card. When I say I have no money, I mean I have no money. Okay, I would eat Food from the gas station charging on my brother's oh. you know junk food, right? I called every member of my family at home, at work, on their cell phone. A horrible fate would have it. Nobody answered. none. And I've got four I've got three brothers and sisters. No four. <laughs> I'm, I called every one of my friends same thing. Finally, the last person I called, my friend Stella, Enters the phone at work, immediately gave me her credit card, and she said, with one stipulation, you are never allowed to pay me this money back. Wow. That's a friend. Right. And I was desperate, and I had no choice but to accept, and it hurt to accept it, but I did. But Carol, here's the amazing, awesome thing. Maybe about seven months later, her own mother had knee surgery, and required um, months of extensive physical therapy. I was able to pay Stella back, not by money, which was her stipulation, but I I was able to take, um, her mom's name is Hope, I was able to take Hope to her physical therapy appointments three days a week for about five or six months, there with her three and four hours at a time, now that helped Stella tremendously because Stella, like everybody else, is worried about keeping her job. And she didn't have to take off three days a week for five or six months. It's just amazing the opportunities that come when you're open to them and when you look for them and, and you're brave enough to go for it. Just go for it. You know, I heard someone say, Well, I'm afraid. Well, you know, do it afraid. And that's been one of my I, I read that when somewhere and I'm like, I can't, I can't argue with that. And I've done many things afraid and I have come out on top every time. So for those of you who are listening who are laid off, whatever you're afraid of, if you know, if you don't try, you will never know. And what if you are missing the biggest, hugest greatest thing that could ever happen to you if only you had tried? I would have never gotten the career change of my dreams had I not picked up the phone one day and made an insane phone call.
1: That's excellent. And you've stepped on, you know, you've touched on, rather, many areas that we need to hear that encouragement from. In other words, changing our attitude, going for it, stepping out of our comfort zone, you know, taking that risk of maybe, will they laugh at me? You know, all those little fears that that come. But you never know unless you try. That's right. And, you know, especially when you're in a position where you're feeling all the emotions that you were going through, such as, um, you know, can I provide and will anyone ever hire me and all those different things that I'm sure, you know, many people go through when they're in that position. And you just forget all that and go ahead and try anyway. And look what happens. You got a job after the first layoff. Yes. So, And you were there for how many years? Um,
2: I covered the oil and gas industry for a trade publication, I think, close to four years before moving on to a much larger company. And, I mean, my dreams came true. I traveled the world. I met new people, learned new things, uh, asked questions, got home, got to write about it, got paid for it. I mean, it was insane. And then you got laid off again. I did. I did. October October thirty first two thousand two, when which also was unexpected as well. But here's the thing. Here's the killer. This is so, this is so fun. As soon as I as soon as my boss said the words, like I, I've heard that before, right? That's what I was wondering. What? How did? Yeah. you respond? Yes. I'll tell you exactly what I said with the the most joyful uh, tune in my voice. I said, "Buddy, that's okay." It just means I've got something better to do. I just don't know what it is at this point. God has a plan for me. I don't know what it is, but you don't worry about it. I'm going to be okay. And the only way I could have said that, so easy, joy, with the same joy you're hearing in my voice, that's exactly. And I mean, his mouth was just like, oh, he he just couldn't believe I wasn't bursting into tears. Um, But you know what? I had learned from my first layoff for two years. I had my needs met. For two years, that's when I, I I came to ask, is there a God out there, and is He real? And He answered me. And um, you can't go through two years as an unemployed single mom, have all of your needs met miraculously out of unemployment for six months, and not know that there is a God. I was laid off um, the second time also for two years.
1: What you said about God, I really appreciate because obviously he cared enough about you and he gave you the strength and the hope and the encouragement that you needed. And so when it happened again, instead of having maybe the same pity parties, etc., you knew that you were going to be taken care of. And that's where you put your trust. That's where you put your faith. And it totally made a huge difference, I'm sure, in your life. And wouldn't that be an encouragement to other people then to see that change in you?
2: I would hope so. And But what was so funny is, remember, three weeks after my second layoff is when I fell 16 feet off the top rung of my ladder and had that accident. It was a week later. I was in my home office. Emily was at school. She was 19 years old at this time. And I was crying, okay, at this point, primarily because I was in physical pain. And I cried out to God and I said, okay, are you kidding me? Why did you allow me to have this second layoff? And why? Did you allow me especially to have this accident where I'm at? You know, I am housebound, howling at the moon in pain. I cannot afford COBRA insurance. It's more than my mortgage for crying out loud. Immediately, I uh, got the sense, I want you to write a book about trusting me during a layoff. And that's where the idea for Help for the Layoff came from of course I argued back and forth and you know, I'm not smart enough. I'm not Bible touched. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a Bible study teacher. You've got the wrong chick, you know, not going to happen. And you know, obviously it did happen. And I'm very grateful that he let me have my temper tantrum. You know, God loves us and he knows we're human. He knows we're fallible and he knows we're scared, but he helps us anyway. And, uh, So that was the reason that that first, that's how that first book came along. It came about very quickly. I I tried everything I knew to get it published. So interesting, Carol, during the second layoff, let me share, if I may, is I went through so many more hard things. Besides the layoff, I had the accident. I lost my mom unexpectedly due to a very bad case of medical negligence. There was a woman brought into my life uh, by someone I barely knew, a, another single mom. Her name was Delin. She had three kids, divorced, and she suffered greatly from multiple sclerosis. I have never in my life seen anybody suffer so much pain on a constant basis, and it was very clear to me my job while I was laid off, was to take care of her every day. Every day I would take, you know, of course in the morning I would have, I would, I would go online, look for work, because I have to find a job, I have to do what I have to do, but you can only be on the computer for so long. Okay. Then you've got the whole rest of the day. And so I would go to her house, um, I would take her to her doctor appointments, I would do her laundry, cook, take her, I would do whatever she needed me to do. And I was happy to do it. And I remember one Sunday uh, after um, Bible study, I asked the pastor, can I stand before the class and um, talk about delenn Because all of the pastors knew about her. Uh, it was just a terrible situation for her and heartbreaking. And he said, absolutely. And so I, I did. And I. Uh, shared her story and shared, you know, her needs. She was getting ready to, uh, her car had been, uh, she had an old van and it had broken down and she needed her car to get to her appointments and just, you know, you need a car, okay? In Houston, you need a car. And, well, a lot of people, you know, came forth and uh, donated money and we got her car fixed. Let me tell you what happened to me. About four days later, I go to my mailbox. Carol, there is a check in the mail made out to me for $1,500 by a couple I had never met with a little note that said, Dear Mary, we were in church on Sunday, and we heard you advocating for Delenni. And we were happy to help her. But we asked the pastor after you left, why were you standing there on crutches? And we learned you are also a single mom. And you're without a job. You're not. You're standing here. You have your own needs. And you're not asking for yourself. You're asking for somebody else. So we just felt like you could use a little help. You know, we're all human beings. We all suffer. We all go through hard times. And um, I speak from experience that, Somehow, I don't, I don't know how, but somehow when you help someone else because they need it, it just it lifts your own spirits. It's, it's, it's just an amazing feeling. Okay. It's an amazing feeling.
1: Let me ask you this, um, Mary. What kind of groups do you share your story with? Your books that you're sharing and tips and, and what kind of <sighs> platforms do you do, you, uh, do that in?
2: Well, um, I speak for uh, women's retreats, um, ministry, uh, women's events. Um, I've been asked to speak to women's professional groups, uh, women's um, uh, business professional groups because – you know, a lot of women uh, belong to associations for uh, engineers or accountants or whatever the case may be. They bevo- belong to professional associations, and a lot of them are losing their jobs. So I'm invited to speak to uh, events such as those. Um, a lot of uh, – there's a lot of unemployment ministries that churches offer. Um, You don't have to be a person of faith to participate in an an unemployment ministry. And uh, I would encourage you to at least Google uh, an unemployment ministry in your area. What What will happen at these ministries that I have spoken at is there are groups of people that volunteer their time. They will edit your resumes. They will help you practice your interviewing skills. They have networking. They have a lot, you know, here's an, here's one thing I learned from the biggest unemployment ministry in the Houston area is that, you know, even the major employers are on a budget. So they go to the unemployment ministries and post say, you know, we have job openings. By doing that, they're saving themselves from having to place ads in a paper. And they have the advantage of knowing that, There's a lot of skilled people that are going to be applying for this job that can start on Monday, so to speak. They can start right away. They don't have to give notice. It's free. It's just, you know, it's a way to get out of the house and meet other people. They're not pity parties. They are there to help you. So um, I speak at unemployment ministries, workforce centers, workforce solutions. I was at Billy Graham's The Cove Conference and Retreat Center last August.
1: Also what I want to know though in line with this is how you can help our audience. Can you do you do any online sharing or if someone needs to contact you and just needs some encouragement or maybe
2: Oh, absolutely. Okay. I, I I can't tell you the number of people I have I have bought a cup of coffee with, complete strangers. Obviously, I can't do that for everybody across the United States. But uh, people can contact me through my website. I have done Google Plus conference calls. I have done Skype conference calls face-to-face. I have done phone calls. I have done email. Um, I have a blog. I have a free newsletter that people can sign up for. One thing I would like to mention is on my website, I do have the opportunity for people to buy my books and I understand more than anybody that uh, people that are unemployed are out of money or low on money. Uh, but I, I understand people, family and friends, have, may have an opportunity to buy these books for you. I have an offer that is freestanding for the rest of my life, that for people that buy my new devotional book, Hope for the Laid Off, I automatically give them a free copy of my first book, which is Help for the late off, because I really really, really want people to get i want them to benefit from what I have been through and learn what I've learned without having to go you know the easy way I've already been through what they're going through um but i've I've had men ball their eyes out to me, and there is no shame in that. I am so privileged when people, trust me, are vulnerable enough to share their feelings, and um, I can listen. I am not a licensed counselor, certified anything. I am just a human being on this planet who has been through two separate two-year two layoffs as a single mom. I learned so much. Benefited, I am grateful for those layoffs. Grateful as can be.
1: Taking your pain and turning it in or your mess, as they say, and turning it into a message, one of encouragement. And if we hadn't gone through that, we wouldn't be able to share our story with people who need to hear it.
2: Right, and, and there's nothing worse than listening to somebody say, oh, I know how you feel, when you both know that they, they don't have a clue. I, I hate that. So, people that talk to me, people that have read the books, people have befriended each other through this blog and through my newsletter, and um, it's been a beautiful thing to see that people from all across the country are becoming friends through this, and um, I I would like to mention, if I may, I'm working on a third book. Uh, It's called Love for the Laid Off, Staying Together. This book is going to be... 180 degrees different from the first two. Um, I've never been married and had a layoff. I don't know what that feels like, so I can't write from experience. Mm -hmm. This book is completely different because I'm interviewing. I'm using my journalism skills. I'm interviewing um, mental health professionals. I've got a, a doctor, a Ph.D., from one of the nation's top three mental health facilities in the United States, providing advice on grief, depression, suicide, addiction, um, unhealthy coping mechanisms that people might turn to. I am interviewing marriage and family counselors on how couples can use this hard, hard, hard time to strengthen their marriage and use it to grow together rather than allow it to fall apart as a result of the stress and pressure. You can benefit, you can choose, you have a choice through any hard time. You can choose to benefit from it or you can just lay down and and just give up. And it's your choice. You know, my choice was I got angry and said, I want something out of this. And I did. So I've got marriage and family counseling uh, counselors that are going to provide tips. I've interviewed a certified financial planner to help couples make good financial choices when the, the paychecks have cut. I've even interviewed uh, readers of both of my books. One has provided her experience of her and her husband. They were both laid off at the same time for several years, yet they're still married. And they chose to use that adversity and fight for their marriage and fight through adversity. And they came out on top. They are on top now. And their marriage is stronger as a result. But I've also interviewed a woman who unfortunately lost her marriage um, as a result of the stress and pressure. I really hope it's going to be the best book of all because it's not going to be me talking. It's going to be professionals, (laughs) certified, licensed, trained, educated professionals. Like I said, I'm I'm just a human. I'm just a plain old person. But I've been through what these people are going through, so I do know what they're going through. I can help to some degree. This third book is going to really be the nuts and bolts to help them strengthen their marriage and strengthen their family life, help their kids get through it. Okay. Children, parents are so afraid that little Susie and Johnny are going to just not cope and, you know, have a horrible adulthood. My daughter will be the first to tell you she is grateful for those layoffs because they have taught her how to create and maintain a budget. They have taught her uh, not to base her self-esteem on where she lives, what she, you know, what her job title is, or so forth. Um, The best lessons in life are the hardest ones to learn, and they are often learned through adversity and your children will live through it and benefit as a result. Well,
1: Mary, you have given us many things to think about, definitely some excellent guidelines and tips and coping skills, and I hope that many people will be able to be helped as a result. Your offer of um, the second book, or you actually be your first book when you buy the second book, to be free is a wonderful opportunity to help people who are going through that right now. It's been a delight to listen to that, to be encouraged. You have a fabulous attitude, which has come across strong and clear. And in other words, we don't need to be in a pity party. We need to take action and have the right attitude when diversity comes. Well, Carol- that,
2: thank you. Carol, I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity. And um, please, if you have any questions, if there's anything I can do for you, do not hesitate to call. Do not be afraid. I do not bite. I love. I want to help you. I want to listen to you. And I'll do anything I can to help you. Thank you. Okay, Mary. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.